Welcome to Love Chapel Hill on this, the second week of Advent. I'm so glad that you have joined us, whether you are tuning in in the morning, watching with our, our live group that's watching on Sunday mornings, or you're watching it later, or even listening on the podcast. We are so glad that you are here with us. Um, so today is the second week of Advent, as I said, and we will be lighting the second candle. First week, I led us in this lighting of the first candle, the hope candle. Um, this week, we'll be lighting the second candle, which is the candle of peace. And a little different this morning, I actually am not going to be reading any scripture um, for this lighting. There's a lot of great scripture on peace and traditional Christmas scripture that we read, but didn't feel like it was a traditional Advent, so going to go a little non-traditional with this one. Um, but I will be lighting the peace candle this morning, um, reading a poem. Now, um, I think Matt mentioned this last week, um, but I wanted to reiterate too that this is something you are invited to partake in. And so whatever you, whatever candles you can come up with in your house, I ordered this beautiful advent wreath online, but um, you just grab what you have, put an arrangement of candles on your table, and you can participate in doing this uh, with me every week and participate in this Advent season with us. So I encourage you to do that. Whatever candles you have, even if they're out-of-date pumpkin spice latte candles or whatever, <laughs> it doesn't have to be Christmassy. Okay, so I'm going to get started. Um, the poem I'm reading today um, it's a little long, sorry, but it's it's so appropriate and I and I hope you will enjoy it and I just encourage you to to listen and to hear these words and reflect on them with me. Um, the poem is called Amazing Peace, a Christmas poem by Dr. Maya Angelou. All right. Thunder rumbles in the mountain passes and lightning rattles in the eaves of our houses. Floodwaters await us in our avenues. Snow falls upon snow, falls upon snow to avalanche over unprotected villages. The sky slips low and gray and threatening. We question ourselves. What have we done to so affront nature? We worry, God, are you there? Are you there really? Does the covenant you made with us still hold? Into this climate of fear and apprehension, Christmas enters, streaming lights of joy, ringing bells of hope, and singing carols of forgiveness high up in the bright air. The world is encouraged to come away from the rancer, come the way of friendship. It is the glad season. Thunder ebbs to silence and lightning sleeps quietly in the corner. Floodwaters recede into memory. Snow becomes a yielding cushion to aid us. As we make our way to higher ground, hope is born again in the faces of children. It rides on the shoulders of our aged as they walk into their sunsets. Hope spreads around the earth, brightening all things. Even hate, which crouches breeding in dark corridors. In our joy, we think we hear a whisper. 
At first, it is too soft. Then, only half heard. We listen carefully as it gathers strength. We hear a sweetness. The word is peace. It is loud now. It is louder. Louder than the explosion of bombs. We tremble at the sound. We are thrilled by its presence. It is what we have hungered for. Not just the absence of war, but true peace. A harmony of spirit, a comfort of courtesies, security for our beloveds and their beloveds. We clap hands and welcome the peace of Christmas. We beckon this good season to wait a while with us. We, Baptist and Buddhist, Methodist and Muslim, say come peace. Come and fill us and our world with your majesty. We, the Jew and the Jainist, the Catholic and the Confucian, implore you to stay a while with us so we may learn by your shimmering light how to look beyond complexion and see community. It is Christmas time, a halting of hate time. On this platform of peace, we create a language to translate ourselves and ourselves to each other. At this holy instant, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ into the great religions of the world. We jubilate the precious advent of trust. We shout with glorious tongues at the coming of hope. All the earth's tribes loosen their voices to celebrate the promise of peace. We angels and mortals, believers and non-believers, Look heavenward and speak the word aloud. Peace. We look at our world and speak the word aloud. Peace. We look at each other, then into ourselves, and we say without shyness or apology or hesitation, Peace, my brother. Peace, my sister. Peace, my soul. Good morning, Love Chapel Hill family. My name is Dominique Ficklin, and I have three things I wanted to share with you this morning. If you go to our website, lovechapelhill.com, there are some ways that you can connect with us during the week. Via our small groups, or our bands, which are our smaller small groups, or also if you have children through our children's ministry, Quest Kids. It meets via Zoom on Sunday mornings, and we also send out a resource packet if you wanna go deeper with your children in what we're studying, as well as some activities that you guys can do during the week. Also, Quest Kids is doing a love mission this month. We are helping enable the children with some resources they need in Sierra Leone for occupational and physical therapies to help these children make progress. I also want to let you know that if you go to our website and you are looking for some help with um, prescriptions or maybe grocery pickup or just needing someone to chat with during the week, you can also find help with that on our webpage. Um, also, if you are watching with us for the first time, welcome. We wanna let you know that there's a connect card you can fill out. We'd love to let to know that you joined us this morning. If you are watching via YouTube or Facebook, there should be a link below for you to fill that out. I hope that you guys are having a wonderful Advent season. I wish you peace and blessings, and I hope that you just have a wonderful Sunday. Take care. Oh, hey, how's it going? My name is Joel, and uh, I have a question for you today. 
Maybe kind of a silly question, but hey, here we go. Have you missed joining with others on Sunday mornings to pray together, to worship together, to laugh together, to see how each other's doing? Maybe you've missed some friends from Sunday mornings past, or even just missed meeting new people. Well, I told you it was a silly question, but if you're like me and you said yes, I want to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at our live virtual watch party. You can join us from wherever you are. PJs are always welcome. Bring your morning cup of coffee or whatever you want to bring with you. And come meet new people, see some old friends, while we worship together, sing together, pray together, share together, talk together, find how each other is doing, all while watching the Sunday morning service video. It's a lot like gathering together like we did before, maybe minus the PJs. But really, seriously, I want to urge you to step into this opportunity. Maybe this is, can help fill a gap in your life that you have, or at least launch your week off in the right way. We would love to have you there. So go to lovechapelhill.com, scroll down right on the main page, you'll find all the Zoom information for the watch party. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. I hope to see you there.
Hey, Love Chapel Hill. Welcome to the second Sunday of Advent. We are in this season in the historic church calendar uh, where we are anticipating the arrival of the Messiah, Jesus, at Christmas. And so Advent is this season that churches around the world and for generations of history, uh, we've taken this time to pause and to sink down into the ancient story of Israel to remember what it was like for them to wait and to long and to hope for the arrival of the Messiah. That's what the word Advent means. It means arrival. So during this time, we are practicing that discipline of waiting. Uh, we are practicing that art of spiritual pilgrimage, of walking that road uh, with ancient Israel longing for the arrival of the Messiah. One of the things about the Christian celebration of Advent, though, is not just a time of us looking back to the first arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, but also a time of anticipation and looking ahead to the second arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, when the King himself will return, will set all things right, will restore all things, and will make all things new. So that's what we're doing together during this season of Advent. A really interesting thing about that is for the Christian calendar and for the historic church calendar, Advent is actually the beginning of the Christian year. It's the first season in the Christian calendar. And so as we are immersed in this culture that all around us is talking about the end of the year, and reflecting on the end of the year, uh, it is quite fitting that as the culture around us is talking about an ending, Christians are set apart and talking about a beginning and reflecting on a new beginning. We always seem to be backwards and upside down like that. And that is what the way of Jesus is like. And so um, as we are entering into this new time and into this new beginning in the season of Advent, I want to encourage you to use that time to pray and to reflect on what other new beginnings need to happen in your life. Uh, and I want to really challenge you as we're moving into this time over these next three months through this winter um, where medical authorities are telling us uh, that we are about to go through a really difficult time and continue in a difficult time with the reality of COVID-19. Um, this is a time for us to root ourselves in this community and reflect again on how we can stay connected with each other. And so I wanna encourage you uh, to think through four ways specifically. These are four options, four paths uh, for you to be connected to the larger church family. Uh, number one, I wanna encourage you to pray about being a part of the watch party on Sunday mornings. Every Sunday at 10 a.m., our friend Brooke from the Connections team uh, leads a watch party where people are engaging with the worship service together. Uh, pray about doing that or pray about starting your own. Uh, we are having talks right now about what it looks like for small groups to host that and uh, micro churches to host these watch parties together where we're able to engage with each other. Uh, not just something that um, we are watching, but something that we are engaging in 
together. So pray about that. Number two, the story, the Bible study on Tuesday nights at seven o'clock through Zoom. I want to encourage you to pray about being a part of that and finding that as another option for deeper connection and deeper discipleship with other people within the church family. Uh, number three, the Wednesday morning prayer meeting at eight o'clock also through Zoom. Um, that is a beautiful and rich time of praying over each other and praying for the church and praying for our community and world. And then number four, uh, pray about being a part of a discipleship band or a small group. Uh, joining in with one of these intimate communities, uh, a way of not just staying connected with each other, but a way of provoking each other towards deeper growth in the grace of Jesus Christ. So pray about those things. Here we are at a beginning, a new beginning, and it's a great time for you to re reflect on that and to consider some of these uh, new steps to take together. All right, so we're gonna keep moving today uh, through uh, the Advent season, uh, we are in Matthew chapter one, verse one. Again, that's all we got through uh, last week. And uh, through Advent, we are we are looking through the lens of the gospel of Matthew. And last week, we just got through that first verse of the first chapter. And we're going to stay there again today. We're getting to three more words uh, in the verse. And uh, the verse begins this way. It says, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of of Abraham. So those three words, son of Abraham, that's where we're going to be today. We're going to sink down into that story of Abraham and see what it has to teach us about Advent and about the reality of the coming of Jesus. Holy Spirit be with us as we dive into your word today. We open ourselves up to what you want to say to us. We ask for you to challenge us. We ask you to build us up as your church. We ask you to teach us what it means to live in your peace in the midst of turmoil. And we ask you to reveal yourself to us in a fresh way today. See so your name we pray, amen. Amen. So uh, in this verse here in Matthew chapter one, in verse one, uh, there's an interesting word that stands out that's connected to the story of Abraham. Uh, and it's this word of genealogy. And so a genealogy is, as it says in this verse, it's a record. It's a record of origins. It's a record of beginnings. And that word genealogy comes from the same root and the same family of words as the word Genesis, which means origins and beginnings. And the story of Abraham is captured in the book of Genesis, the first book of scripture of the Hebrew Bible. And uh, it is this, the book of Genesis is this story that really focuses in on the family of Abraham. From the moment that Abraham comes into the story in Genesis chapter 12, the rest of the book follows his family line and tells this story of the family of Abraham. So when Matthew begins his gospel with this word of genealogy and listing this out, and placing Jesus as son of Abraham in that Abraham family line, 
What he's communicating to us is that this story of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus is a new genesis. It's a new beginning. It's the origin of a new world. And as the book of Genesis follows the family line of Abraham and tells the stories of the family of Abraham, Matthew's communicating to us that this story of Jesus is the fulfillment of that story. What began in Genesis is completed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's where we're starting today. And as we get into the story of Abraham and we follow through it, we're really gonna be uh, only in in, uh, Genesis chapter 15 today. Abraham's story is sprawling and the story of his family uh, is sweeping. So we can't get into all of it, but just understand this for the background. The story of Abraham and Sarah is a story that is so rooted in the same themes and thoughts as this season of Advent. They lived out Advent and the reality of that. Their story is one of longing, of waiting, of hoping for the arrival of the promise of God. Back in Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham to follow him. And Abraham's story begins at this crossroads between fear and faith. And so he has this opportunity to move in faith or to be frozen by his own fear. When God calls him to follow, he doesn't give him the full destination and tell him everything about where he's going to go. He just simply says, follow me and go to the place where I will show you. And so he has this moment right there at the beginning, crossroads of fear and faith, where fear is whispering into his ear and saying, but we don't know the destination. We can't trust this because we don't know the destination. But faith is also whispering in his ear and saying, we might not know the full destination, but we do know the direction. And God is asking us to take that single step of faith Sometimes the greatest single step of faith is exactly that. It's one single step of faith. It's this move in trust to follow where God is telling us to go and to move with that invitation that he has laid out in front of us. And that's what Abraham does. And his story becomes one that is marked by trust and marked by faith. Uh, In Genesis chapter 15, We're going to look at uh, verses one through six together here in this story. And this is where God is making this covenant with Abraham. At this point in the story, he's still referred to as Abram. Uh, God hasn't changed his name to Abraham yet as this sign of him sealing that covenant with him. Uh, So you're going to hear him referred to as Abraham in this in this part of the story. But here's what God says to him. Uh, Genesis chapter 15 verse one, and we're going to go through verse six. It says this, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. I want to stop right there for just a moment and point out that of all of the promises that God gives to Abraham, of all of the promises about the blessings that are going to come to him, the way that God is going to bless him and then through him bless the entire world. In this phrase right here, we get the root of it all. I am your very great reward, he says. It's not about uh, how many children you're going to end up having. It's not about the nations pointing back to you 
uh, as, as this father figure and as this source of all of these nations. It's not about the wealth that you're going to inherit or the land you are going to inherit. The deepest blessing of it all is God himself and the presence of God and the blessing of God with Abraham. The greatest blessing of God is the blessing of God. It's him himself, his presence with us. And so he is sealing that in Abraham right here. But Abram said, verse two, but Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? You told me that I'm going to be the father of many nations and yet I remain childless. What can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my state is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. A few things that are just so beautiful in this exchange between God and Abraham. One, I love this moment of him bringing him outside and he says, look up at the heavens, count the stars. If you can count them, so shall your offspring be. Now imagine this, you've got to think about it in the context in which it's originally happening in the day and the time. For us, when we go outside and we attempt to look up at the stars, we can get some glimpse here and there. But for the most part, we're surrounded by so much light uh, and, and, and saturated in so much light that it's difficult for us to see very clearly even the night sky and the stars in the night sky. You have to get far away from that, uh, out to remote places to really catch a glimpse of what it would have been like. This is taking place in a desert, out in this Middle Eastern desert. And so as he looks up in this dark night sky, he can see the stars so clearly and they are breaking through in such a clear way. And God is saying, look up, count the stars, even if you can look up. And this is how rich and how far my promise is going to reach. And God is saying to every one of us, look up, look up. Don't just look down at the broken path that you find yourself on. Don't just look in at the swirling questions and doubts that seem to consume us at times. Don't just look around at the difficult, impossible circumstances that we feel like we're surrounded by. Look up. And by looking up, we're able to look through all of those other things and catch a glimpse of the reality of God's promises to us. This must have been an incredible moment out in that desert and to see all of those stars and the way God sealed that in Abraham's heart. Uh, I'm a pretty sentimental person. Uh, and if any of you know me, you know that I'm, I'm a sap. All right. So I've had a lot of those moments where I found myself at night 
looking up at the stars and get lost in that moment, this reflective moment and meaningful moment. And I have a lot of those memories that stick with me. Uh, There's this song that I like to listen to when I need to kind of ease my mind and heart and soul. It's this Avert Brothers song. Uh, It's actually a cover that the Avert Brothers do of a Brandy Carlisle song, Uh, but it's called Have You Ever. And in the middle verse, uh, there's this beautiful verse uh, that says, have you ever looked into the starry sky, lying on your back and asking why? What's the purpose? Lord, I wonder who am I? Have you ever stared into a starry sky? I love that. Uh, I've had so many of those moments in my life. Uh, And the thing about those moments is they're not just individual moments. Every time I find myself in another one of those moments where I'm looking up at the stars and I'm in that moment of reflection, something happens in my mind that connects that moment back to all of the other times that 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 has happened before. Um, And I recognize that I'm standing there uh, in a different place at a different time. And yet there is still this connection. And I make that connection in my memory. I think about times, you know, as a the time as a 12 year old at camp under the stars. One of those moments that I can remember or a 16 year old out on the coast in the beach. One of those moments that I can remember as a college student on this walk where I felt a significant shift take place in my life under the stars. And I can remember that moment. Uh, Cornfield in Indiana. (laughs) I remember that moment in my 20s. Uh, 30 in, in Kentucky. I can remember that moment Um, and countless times in between that I can't even exactly point to, but I remember the sentiment and I can remember that sense of connection that must have happened for Abraham. And every time since this moment, when he looked up at the sky, that memory had to come flooding back to him of what God said to him and the promise God made to him and that memory of it hanging there over his head all of the time. This constant reminder of God's promise and not just for Abraham for the rest of his life, but the people of Israel for the rest of their lives and their existence as a people looking up at the stars, remembering the promise that God had made to them and all of the countless ways in which he had brought that promise into reality. It says in uh, verse six there, this powerful statement, Abram believed the Lord. Abram believed the Lord. And it says that God counted that as righteousness, credited it to him as righteousness. It's this moment of faith in the book of Romans in chapter four, verse three. And then, and then later it says this, Paul is writing this and he says, what does, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And then moving to verse 16 in this chapter, therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, not only to those 
who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they are. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be incredible passage there and that connection that Paul is making back to this story in Genesis chapter 15. This hinge point moment in the history of the world and and the history of all of humanity and God's interaction with humanity. It's this moment where Abram believed, this moment of faith, this seed of faith. And from that moment, God sets in motion a story that began under the sea of stars in this desert sky, but runs all the way and connects itself to the star of Bethlehem, the fulfillment of that Advent hope and the arrival of the Messiah himself. The brightest star in Abraham's sky is Jesus himself, that Messiah promised and the Messiah that we know has come to us and the promise fulfilled. What happens next in this chapter in Genesis, uh, in, in Genesis chapter 15 uh, is this very interesting covenant ceremony. There's this way that God seals this promise with Abraham and he enters into this covenant with Abraham. Uh, And there's this ceremony that takes place. I want to give a shout out to Dr. Sandra Richter, my favorite all-time professor, uh, one of my favorite all-time professors from Asbury Seminary, uh, my Old Testament professor there. Uh, She opened my eyes to this for the first time, and it blew my mind what is happening in this moment. God tells Abraham uh, to go and to get uh, a heifer and a ram and a goat, a dove, and a young pigeon. And he tells them to do this. It's, it's so strange, all right, but stick with me. He tells them to do this, to cut the ram and the heifer and the goat in half and to place the pieces apart from each other so that there is a pathway between these two cut pieces of these sacrificed animals, Okay. Sounds really, really strange, okay? And it is really, really strange. But here's what's going on in that moment. What we see, what the original readers of this would have known instantly, there's no need for explaining the context to them because they lived in that context. But to us, it just sounds strange and weird. But here's what's happening. A covenant in that day, They even refer to it as cutting a covenant, like we would say cutting a deal, okay? But cutting a covenant, uh, it was symbolized in this way. And so the God of the universe speaks to Abraham in this very localized way, speaks to Abraham in his own language, uh, in the natural language of Abraham's day and time. So he borrows this covenant imagery there that he would have known so well And he tells him to do that. What is going on normally in this covenant is this. uh, The higher 
power and the higher authority uh, between the two parties who are entering into a covenant together in that day and time uh, would have had the lower person cut animals in half as a sacrifice. And then the lower person would have walked between those two pieces, saying uh, and repeating basically the terms of the covenant. And as the lower person walked between those two cut halves of these sacrificed animals, it was this symbol of saying, I realize that if I ever break this covenant, this is what's going to happen to me. I will be cut. I will die. I will sacrifice my own life if I end up severing this covenant and breaking this covenant. And so God tells Abraham to do that, to cut these pieces and to put them apart like that with this pathway between them. And then it says that a great and dreadful darkness came over Abraham in this moment. Same language that that refers to God descending, God's presence descending on Mount Sinai. This great and dreadful darkness came over Abraham and then he saw something that he could not believe. In this moment, he has this vision. And between the pieces of the cut animal, he saw a torch on fire and a burning cauldron, a burning pot passing between the two pieces. So what Abraham is seeing here is so shocking because it should have been him who walked through the two cut pieces of these animals through the halves of these animals. But instead, he sees the presence of God himself, what is symbolized in the torch and the burning pot passing between. And God begins to tell him the terms of this covenant. And he begins to say, Abraham, your descendants are going to go into a time of 400 years of oppression and slavery, but I will deliver them from that. And I will be the God who brings your people out of Egypt and resettles them and gives them this land that you are on right now. I will keep this promise. And it's so shocking because Abraham should have been the one who passed through and should have been the one who said, if I ever break this covenant, if my people ever break this covenant, then this is what is going to happen to us. But instead, God says, no, Abraham, I know that your people are going to break the covenant over and over and over again. But I will never break my promise to you. I will never break this covenant. And in fact, when you break the covenant, this is what is going to happen, not to you, but to me. I will sacrifice my own life. I will be the one who is cut. I will be the one who is sacrificed to bring you back into healed relationship to make sure that this covenant always stands firm and is never broken. And in this strange wild moment described in Genesis chapter 15. We're seeing a glimpse ahead to the cross, to the fulfillment of that Advent promise that the Messiah has come and that arrival is about redemption and he has come to bring us salvation. And he is the one who lays down his life as a sacrifice 
to bring us into reconciled and healed relationship with God. It is strange, but that is what is happening in this moment. The strangest thing about it is not the animals being cut or any of the ceremony. The strangest thing about the whole story is that God himself would lay down his life as the sacrifice to keep that relationship and bring us into reconciled relationship with him. Closing out with this, the ceremony of the covenant is powerful. And then to remind him of that truth is the sign of that covenant, that beauty of the stars in the sky and the reality that it's a constant reminder that every time he looks up every single night, the reminder will be there and the reality that it's always there even when he can't see it. The stars in the sky. In the Jewish culture, they develop this sense that a new day actually begins not at sunrise. That's how we often mark the beginning of a day. Um, but for the Jewish culture, the new day didn't begin with a sunrise. It began with a sunset. And so that marks the sunset, marks the beginning of the next day. It marks the beginning of a new day. And so for the Jewish people throughout their history, Every single new day begins with the appearance of the stars in the sky and the reminder of the promise of the covenant and the hope of a God who keeps his promises. And those stars are still hanging in the sky for you as a reminder to you that you walk with a God who keeps his promises. And even when you can't see them, they are still there. And the truth is that you have no power to remove even a single star from the sky. You can no more stop God's love for you than you could pull down the sky itself. You cannot stop his love for you. It is constantly there and constantly reminding you of the reality of this promise. So many of us walk around with so much hanging over our heads. We feel like there's failure hanging over our heads. We feel like there's guilt hanging over our heads. We feel like there's shame in our past hanging over our heads. But Advent reminds us that what is really hanging over our heads is this faithful and loyal and unshakable love of a God who keeps his promises. We're longing for that arrival and we know the reality of that longing ends in fulfillment in the brightest star from Abraham's sky, Jesus Christ himself.
My name is Valerie, and I am very honored and very excited to be ending our time together today. As we enter our second week of Advent, our week of peace, I look back on this year, and peace is not necessarily a word that I would use to describe 2020, but then I think about Mary and what her life was like when she was told her role in the coming of the Messiah. And then I think about generations before her and Abraham's long life and how he probably had moments that he would not describe as full of peace. And I think about how God was so present with Abraham and with Mary and with us now and how he gives us opportunities to experience his peace that might not be what we expect, um, but they are still very real. And so I encourage you all and myself as we go into this week of peace to look for some ways that God is offering you peace, whether it's in a walk in the woods with your family after being on Zoom all day or time connecting with friends around the country or whatever it might be for you. Think about how God is offering you moments of peace. Um, I think it's so important as we enter Advent to reflect and look for where Jesus is. And sometimes it might not always be how it's always been. Uh, So as we enter this together, um, I'm excited to Think about where God is offering me peace and for you to think about where God is offering it to you so that the next time we feel like peace is not a word we would use to describe our life, 
we can have these moments that we've reflected on to remember. So happy week two, happy peace, and happy Advent. Mm -hmm.